The mountains are calling. Let's escape the noise. This is episode 55 of the Just Trek podcast. Welcome to the Just Trek podcast, where elevation is our recreation. This is your host, Justin Just Rock Ramon, coming to you from Los Angeles. On this show, you will hear stories and adventures from inspirational hikers, explorers, weekend warriors, to even creatives in the LA community and beyond. Join the Just Trek crew on our journey to True North. We aim to inspire, motivate, and elevate you to a higher state of well being. You can follow us on Instagram at just.trek. Facebook.com slash Just Trek Official and our website JustTrek.net. Just Trek Crew, what it do? This is your host, Just Rock. On this episode, we are running it back with Victor Martinez. He is a LA-based trekker and runner, outdoor adventurer, solo world traveler, mindfulness advocate, community leader, and is the founder of the LA Trail Killers. We chat about him quitting the corporate life to living the organic farm life in Peru, solo world traveling through South America, celebrating the five-year anniversary of LA Trail Killers, his top outdoor adventures on his international travels, tips and advice for solo travelers, exploring a desert oasis, the Bolivian salt flats, revisiting the motherland, major takeaways he learned from his solo trips, becoming an official ambassador for Highlander USA, and the one place from his travels he wished he could teleport back to. Here's a conversation I hope you enjoy. Big news, Just Trek listeners. We have officially launched a Just Trek Patreon page as an opportunity for you to help support us financially so that we can keep producing more awesome content for you and the community. Patreon is a membership platform that connects content creators such as myself to our fans and supporters. So I invite you to become a Just Trek patron by going on patreon.com slash Just Trek. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Just Trek. J-U-S-T-T-R-E-K. Take a look and select a membership tier that you're comfortable with. Each tier comes with awesome rewards, such as exclusive patron-only content, access to my unreleased Trek Talk series, hologram stickers, pin and sticker bundles, shout-out on an upcoming episode, special merch promo code, trip planning services, and more. I truly believe in the Just Trek podcast, and your financial support will play an important role in elevating the Just Trek movement to new summits. More incredible guests, more inspirational stories, tips and advice, key learnings, life lessons for you all to take on the journey. Thank you for your continued support and make sure to go on patreon.com slash just trek to support your fellow podcaster and outdoor content creator. I appreciate you so much and now let's keep elevating together. Before we jump into the conversation, I want to let you know that the Just Trek merch store is officially live right now. If you would like to support my podcast journey and represent Just Trek on your adventures, please make sure to check out justtrek.net slash shop. That is J-U-S-T-T-R-E-K dot N-E-T slash shop. 
We currently have new merch available for purchase. I appreciate you all so much. And now let's get back to the show. What is going on, everyone? We have a very special guest on the show today. So special that this will be a second time rocking with us on the podcast. This individual inspires his community through his local and international adventures and his deep philosophies on life. He's one of the best storytellers we've ever had on the show and is one of the coolest cats I know in the community. He's locally respected and worldwide connected. And without further ado, welcome back to LA and welcome back to the podcast, Volcano Vic. What's up, baby? We out here. I'm so happy to be back with you, Justin. It's such an honor. Uh, man, I just feel like you're you're uh, you're doing so much, so much for everyone, so much for the community, and uh, I'm glad to be a part of it. So it's an honor for me to be here. I appreciate that, man. I put in a lot of hard work. I got the platform. You got the stories, right? <laughs> that, hey, that's my job. You do yours. I do mine. Yeah, and like you just said, man, we out here. We're back at it. Round two on the pod. You ready? I'm ready. Let's get it. So check this out. You have the distinguishing honor of being the first guest on the show that I've brought back for a part two. Man. How does that feel? That that feels amazing. And it's crazy because uh, I see you growing. I see you. I see everyone else getting their second you know, shot and everyone else continuing to grow as well. So it's just as life is growing, you're growing. And uh, everyone else uh, that, that I've seen on your episodes is also doing some more stuff out there so someone else will get their shot as well but yeah i'm happy to be the first yeah man it's uh i know we spoke about this briefly but i remember you know when i first had you on the podcast your episode 37 and i remember i was like you're always on my list for a long time and then i remember when i was about to reach out to you i was trying to find like some kind of video of you speaking because that's one way of like you know determining and giving myself more information, you know, if I should actually go after this guest, right? Because if I can see you speak on some kind of content or video, you know, I can see like more of your personality, you know, how you speak, you know, how articulate you are and whatnot. And I couldn't find any content of you, like, because a lot of your, um, your Instagram feed is really dope still shots, which I actually love, but I was just trying to find some videos here and there. But I'm really, really happy that I reached out to you regardless and just took that risk. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. And I mean, I'm a lot better in person too, because on this podcast, you're going to get kind of a little robotic version of me just because, you know, I'm trying to sound, trying to sound good for the listeners, but yeah, in person or a lot more fun too. Yeah. Man. And then you gave us some of the most epic storytelling, like literally we've ever had on the show. Like there's a reason I called you and introduced you as Volcano Vic, y'all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can't wait to tell some more stories that I've, uh, you know, lived through and been able to uh, experience and, and now share. Absolutely, absolutely. So check it out, Vic. For the peeps who, have may, who may not have listened to your first episode, that being episode 37, which, by the way, everyone, definitely tune into that after this episode if you haven't heard it yet. What do you want the Just Trek community to know about you before we jump into all the new adventures you've embarked on this past year? Uh, well, since then, um, I'm not sure. I think I did mention uh, leaving a job and, and taking on a trip in Southeast Asia last time. But uh, this time, I, I once again did the same. I uh, left the job <laughs> and I, I decided to uh, take on a journey across South America and a few countries out there and... Uh, it's been such an experience, such a 
resetting experience, such a exhilarating, dangerous, perilous, fun, exciting adventure. And now to be back home, uh, it, it it just feels like whoa! I just I just did that, you know. <laughs> Perilous is definitely a bunch of things that you definitely got yourself into right. and all different kinds of scenarios. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just comes with the territory. You're, you, you're, you're here. You're here. You set me up. Set me up, Justin. I got you, brother. So check it out. Before we get into all the wild adventures you had this past year, I do want to acknowledge that you recently celebrated the five-year anniversary of LA Trail Killers. And I just want to say on here, Major congratulations to you, Vic, and your community. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I mean, a, a lot of work goes into the planning and uh, goes into the organizing of events that cater to uh, the community and and growing this connection with Mother Nature and uh, within the, the community. We have friendships and we also have, uh, you know, relationships and, and, and couples that have evolved from our, our uh, community. So I just feel like there's there's so much that more that that goes on behind the scenes as well, you know, from my end, but also from mm-hmm. everyone that comes to the uh, to the hikes and the events, you know, the camping out and all that. And it, it just it's just lovely to see it uh, continue to grow. So congrats to everyone uh, for being a part of it as well. It's not just for me, but to everyone that's ever come out on the hike. Yeah, man, it was so special to celebrate with you in the Angeles National Forest this year since I wasn't able to make it to your four-year where you celebrated in like the uh, the abandoned tunnels near uh, Rattlesnake oh, yeah. Peak, which I thought was super rad. Yeah, that was fun. I mean, I, I figured that there would be a spot where I can set up a DJ, and, and uh, luckily I had my friend uh, Future who was willing to bring his stuff along, <laughs> hike along with us with the table <laughs> and the DJ set and everything. So it was so cool to set that one up, but yeah. Glad I'm so happy you made it on this one because it was epic. Yeah, man, that was uh, the trail was Ice House Canyon in the Mount Baldy area to Cedar Glen Camp, which I've never yeah. been to. And yo, what did we get? We got such a treat that day from the hiking weather gods. Like, what happened? Well, I mean, it started off as a foggy, misty day. Well, we we figured it might rain. Uh, I know that there was some chance. I was taking a look at the forecast the week before, and it was maybe about twenty mm-hmm. percent chance. I saw, and you know, I, I, there's one thing that I've I've come to learn is don't trust those apps. <laughs> so I I, I just <laughs> I say okay, you know, it's it's going to 25, 28, 22, staying around that number or whatever. You know, let me just chance it. If we get a rainy hike, we get a rainy hike. If we get a you know, sunny, we get a cloudy, whatever it turns out to be, it's going to be it. So rain or shine, we made it happen and we are blessed. We got above the clouds once we started uh, you know, getting high up there in the elevation, getting towards the camp, it was nothing but sunshine. So what a great, great risk that we took because it paid off. And we we had nothing but sunny skies while everyone else down there was experiencing a, a gloomy, misty day. Yeah, we definitely hacked being outside in Los Angeles that day, man. If, like I told you before, like we went through a portal, you know, entering the Angeles National Forest. And like literally there was it was so sunny and the sun was just beaming on the mountain peaks. You could see like the lushness of the forest. And the really fun thing about this five year anniversary celebration hike of your group is that it was Halloween themed. So we had a bunch yeah. of crazy costume characters. Yeah, I mean, uh, I dare people to come out in their costume like a couple weeks before Halloween and people showed out, people showed up and it was fun. It was fun. Maybe half the crowd came in and 
uh, costumes, but you know, everyone brought the vibes, so that's what matters. Yeah, and definitely the MVP costume award goes to, at least in my opinion, is uh, your homegirl, the dinosaur. What's her name? <laughs> Kath. Yeah, she came out with the dinosaur, the the, the blow up one. <laughs> that was fun. Oh my god. Yeah, that made my entire day, man. And then you had a pinata of like Jason and Modelo, like that. Like you know, you know how to throw down a party, brother, even in the outdoors. Yeah, it it just ideas pop up in my head, and I I want to make them become reality. And it's just part of my life, uh, you know, mantra is just make make it happen, you know. So I think that it's just a culmination of, of years of, of uh, putting together a bunch of awesome people and, and all of that. I just wanted to do something special and, and it came out to be perfect, a great day for everyone to, to celebrate. Yeah, man. I just want to say one more time, five years is major, dude. That's, Thank you, that's brother. a good amount of time to have any project or endeavor or a group like that is very significant. More to come, more growth and more experiences definitely on the horizon. More adventures, more life. Mm-hmm. All right, Vic. So let's get into it. So back in April of this year, I remember we were all a part of a massive Griffith Park community cleanup. And literally the day afterwards, you went on a journey and my oh my, it looked like one hell of a ride. So the people want to know, what is the backstory to you embarking on this epic solo world traveling journey in South America? You know, what's just sparked you to want to do this? And why South America this time around? Because I know you've had a lot of solo travel stints. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm always searching just, you know, experience and, and to see more than, than I see, you know, what I see on a daily basis. So it just comes with uh, my yearn to travel and experience different cultures and, um, you know, to see ancient sites and to continue to expand my my mentality on, on this earth. You know, it feels like sometimes life can become very stagnant and 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 I just get into this lull where it's like where where's my my life headed but then I realized the world is too big to drown in that glass of water you got to get out you got to go and see it for yourself so that you can actually you know take take in what life is about and see what the meaning is and I think not only, you know, when it comes to traveling, but just when it comes to your relationships and when it comes to your, um, you know, everyday actions, you can take that mentality and, you know, trying to um, develop a, a life that's, you know, more of what you're seeking. And I think when mm-hmm. I decided to make that, you know, adventure happen, I, I figured I need to do something bigger than what I'm doing now. And, you know, I left the job as I mentioned uh, before, and I had a, a goal in, in mind, which was to go experience farming, <laughs> go experience what life would be like, you know, taking care of your own food and taking care of your crops and, 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 and being more sustainable person rather than just someone who has to, uh, I mean, uh, someone who's able to just go to the store and restaurant and order your food and kind of be catered to it's kind of a catered lifestyle that we live even though we have to work for it if it's very i feel like it's very catered to 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 live very comfortably like did you see a piece of content like because to do organic farming in another country is very like it's very specific right and i know you mentioned some reasons but was there anything like in the past that really like made you 
uh, finally like made that final decision in your mind like yeah i'm gonna go out and do that well i've always you know been into watching travel shows and and, and seeing how people uh experience different uh foods and you know i'm a foodie myself i love to try new foods i think there's this uh one particularly that i watched that uh, i mentioned to you the other day it's um uh, somebody feed phil and he visited, I believe it was like a farm or somewhere. And, and I saw, you know, the farm to table lifestyle. That's something that I think, you know, most people should have within their lifestyles, which is having their own garden, you know, to be able to pick, you know, uh, their salad and their ingredients for their everyday meals, rather than relying on a grocery store to have to go, you know, mm. buy foods from who knows where, you know, with who knows what in it, you know. So it, it, it's about having your own, having your own, not having to rely. And I think that's where it came from. Yeah. Being self-sufficient with mm-hmm. what's around you in the environment. Yeah, absolutely. And then I just, uh, I mentioned it uh, to you, I think as well, where um, I just also started on the journey of learning this type of, um, of farming as well, because I want to have that for myself one day. Right on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. when <laughs> For that to be like, the catalyst or, you know, you wanting to go out there. That's so rad, man. Like I have a lot of respect for that. Yeah. Thank you. So you went to so many places, brother. Like I just want you to break down for the listeners, like the places you visited. Cause you bounced around a lot, many different cities, countries, destinations, places that like I dream of going, you know, like, could you give us a quick breakdown of the places that you visited? Yeah. So when I first left that the day after you saw me on that hike, uh, I went to Guatemala, which is the, the motherland. That's where you know my family's from. That's where I'm from. I was born here, but obviously I, I, I trace my roots back to Guatemala. It's a very special place for me. Uh, I also went to, excuse me, I also went to Colombia. I went to Ecuador. I went to Peru. I went to Bolivia and uh, ended my trip in Chile. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That is a wild string of cities and countries to go to. Like you, so you left in April and then your travels ended in what month again? September. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you were gone for about like five, six months, about half a year. Exactly. That's a very long amount of time. And believe it or not, that's actually short. I mean, I feel like there's so much to see out there. Five or six months, relatively speaking, is a long time when it comes to you know how we in think of vacations you know per se or or trips are usually a week to two weeks you know the latest i mean the longest is like three or four or four weeks but five or six months is really not enough time to even see all of that i just crunched a lot into a small period of time Mm. and you know Obviously, you did an insane amount of exploring all over those places. So I got to ask you, Vic, because I feel like if we talked about every single thing you experienced out there, this would be like a 10-hour podcast, right? Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about that earlier today when I was going over notes, going over pictures and just my journal Mm -hmm. entries. I'm like, I'm still in Guatemala. I'm still in the first country. And it's like an hour and a half later. I'm like, this is (laughs) this podcast. That's crazy. You know, 10 hours itself. Yeah. We're just going to record for 10 hours, y'all. Break it up into five, <laughs> a bunch of parts. Up. Stay up. So from all that exploring, I got to ask you, if you had to narrow, narrow it all down, what would you say were like your top three outdoor adventures 
from your solo travels out in South America. And, you know, why was each a favorite for you and super memorable? Uh, well, one of the ones that stands out when it comes to, you know, the, the hike life, the outdoor life is the uh, hike that I did to Machu Picchu. Uh, you know, normally people go to Peru with very limited time. Like I just said, a week or two weeks is not enough time to go on the Salcantay uh, trail, which is a five day uh, venture. So therefore, mm-hmm. that gets skipped a lot. And then, you know, you, you, you can take the train, which gets you there faster and, and skip everything that I went through. But I went through the hike that really took me to some beautiful scenery, beautiful places, high elevation mountains. As You know, we're going through the Andes to try to get to Machu Picchu. We went through the jungle as well, saw exotic animals and birds that, wow, like I, there's no time to to even think it just they just ran past you and it's just like what was that you know just just crazy crazy adventures just to get to this majestic you know ancient site uh machu picchu Mm. which you know very famous and obviously most people know about uh but the journey to get there was very special it was very emotional and i did it with some really cool people so that's a place that really stands out to me as one of the places uh i also have los baños uh los baños i was able to do uh, an outdoor bike ride uh, activity, which is called the Ruta de las Cascadas, which is, uh, you know, the route of the waterfalls. So you're going through the mountains. There's trucks right next to you within an inch, uh, you know, from you, from your elbow. And you're just riding alongside the road, going under these amazing, majestic waterfalls. And then you get to some places where you're able to hook your bike up to like this, kind of like the zip line type of thing where you're able mm-hmm. to uh, traverse this crazy gorge and, 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 and you're, you're above these waterfalls and then it brings you back in and then you're continuing your route. That place in itself. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. That, that place in itself is a whole movie. So that's another place I, 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 I that stands out to me. That rope section when you're um when you're zip basically like zip lining on your bike, mm-hmm. like how was that for you? Like were you just looking straight? Were you did you even peek down? Like how were you feeling in like during that moment? Well, when I arrived there, it's funny because I was I was doing an IG live and it just happened <laughs> that this guy comes up to me while I'm on IG live and he says, "Hey, do you want to go across this zip line?" I'm like, "Oh, but I have my bike, you know." And He's just like, don't worry, we can put the bike on it. I've I've never heard of that before. You know, that's how it happened. Yeah, just like that. Like I'm 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 on IG live showing the nice cliff that I'm you know uh, uh, biking alongside, and this guy just comes up to me. He says, "Look, you can either go around the whole mountainside, or you can take this shortcut, which is a zip line from here to the other side." So I decided to take the shortcut. Uh, unfortunately, my IG live did cut off, so I wasn't able to record much of it, but. Being on that zip line, it's it's a little scary, you know. Like obviously, zip line itself, it's kind of crazy. But you're on a bike and you have to hold on for balance. <laughs> so you're looking down and you just see like this river, and then you're looking to the side and there's nothing. There's just a crazy canyon, and uh, you're just hoping you make it to the other side. And it's just part of the route. The route, the the Ruta de las Cascadas, is just part of it so is on the way to get to the to the major waterfall that you're trying to get to but yeah it's just in the middle of it you have to go through this one way or the other 
That's so wild. So you didn't actually plan to do that portion. Absolutely not. No, that I, I didn't even uh, plan to do the Ruta de las Cascadas, to be honest. I actually... Uh, what do you mean? Yeah, like, so, I, I mean, I went to Los Baños with no plans, and, like, most of the trip uh, is just kind of worked itself out. Once I got to the place, I just figured out what's there to do there. And every every place, every city that I visited has so much to do, so much to offer. And that's why I say that five, six months is just not enough to do everything. I missed some stuff uh, there, for example. But that that uh, that uh, uh, bike ride to the waterfall that I went to, one of the most powerful, beautiful sites that I've ever been a part of. You're, you're walking through this cave to get to the top and, and, and get right underneath the, the waterfall. I'm like, mm-hmm. how did I get myself into this? You know, like I didn't plan <laughs> this. I just, I just, you know, woke up and had breakfast and now I'm here. Like it, it just happens. So that's part of the magic of uh, traveling is you just never know what you're going to get yourself into. You chose that life, man. You chose <laughs> that for yourself. It's fun. It's fun. I love it. Yeah. I remember seeing your videos of like, like on the side of the mountain, how narrow it was and like these massive like semi trucks basically like mm-hmm. just scooching by you. And it's like you literally look off to the side. It's a sheer drop off. Like it is a freaking sheer drop off to your death. And then I remember that part where um, you like were going underneath this like little hole cave like off of your bike. And then I saw the water just like smashing down onto the rocks. I was like, yeah. dear God, if he goes like literally a foot closer he might just get swept away yeah and you can't hear anything but the sound of the water dropping there and it's just a movie like i said it's just powerful it's all your senses just you know quiver you're just listening you're feeling your 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 eyes are just you know seeing something you can't even explain it's wonderful you know that type of place is just indescribable you can't really put it into words and Los, you said this area is Los Baños, correct? Los Baños, yeah. It's the number two spot that I was mentioning as an outdoor adventure spot. Yeah, Los Baños in Ecuador. And, oh, it's in Ecuador. That's what I yeah. wanted to um, ask you. Okay, Ecuador. Yeah, yeah. So we have Machu Picchu, so, the Salcantay hike as, num- as one. We have number two is Los Baños uh, in Ecuador with the Ruta de las Cascadas for number two. And what's a number three for you? Number three, I'm going to have to take it back to Guatemala, actually. I know you're we're, we're talking about South America, but since I started okay. my, my travels in Guatemala, uh, there's a very beautiful uh, paradise-like uh, location called Semuc Champe, which it's it, it just an adventure to even get there. You know, if you're coming from the city, from Antigua, or, or, or you know, that's where you have to come from regardless. Um, okay. It's so... I, I would say that that's as close as, as we get to heaven on earth. So serene. Wow. Okay. The the beauty there is is still untouched. I, I would say for the most part, it's not uh, as touristy as it can get. Uh, hopefully it remains that way. But when I went, it was definitely uh, a place where you can find a spot to enjoy nature without being disturbed. Uh, there's hiking, there's, uh, waterfall, there's caves and all that, but just taking a swim in those emerald pools that cascade down the mountainside. Ooh. That 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 feeling, you you can't really compare that to anything I, I I've ever experienced 
uh, in my life. And it's just a peaceful feeling being immersed in that water and, and surrounded by those, um, uh, you know, huge trees. And it's amazing. Uh, that's, that's one of the places I recommend for everyone to go to if you want to uh, feel something uh, bigger than you. Would you say uh, that part of your trip, of your solo travels on this tri- on this stint was like maybe the most spiritual for you? Yeah, at the beginning, I was very in tune with myself. Uh, I had just prior to leaving uh, the states done combo. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but it's like a oh wow, okay, yeah, drop the knowledge. Yeah, it's a, like an ancient, you know, medicinal, like natural. Um, ritual that you do uh, called uh it was cambo itself it's a mm-hmm. frog poison that you um administer through burns in your skin and it's an amazonian tree frog that this poison comes from and that's used to help you purge you know physically you purge like you 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 vomit you feel like this this need to vomit and it's so much toxins that we have built up with with all the drinking we do with all the smoking with all the bad foods there's so much that goes into our body uh, that builds up over time that we need to get rid of. And it helps you not only physically, but also mentally and spiritually come out a, a brand new person. And I had just come off of that. And that takes a big toll on your body because you need to reset. You need to, you know, take a step back, rest, be nice to yourself. And, uh, the beginning of my trip, I was really doing that. I was resting a lot. Mm-hmm. I remember my first few days, I was uh, taking 13, 14 hour, you know, sleep, you know, naps <laughs> uh, and and waking up just feeling great. You know, it was, it was just a great way to, to start my trip. Uh, I'm not sure if you want to get more into the Cambo uh, part of it, but th- mm-hmm. that is something that uh, I believe in. I believe in plant medicine. I believe in, you know, uh, our ability to use nature in a positive way to, uh, you know, build ourselves. And, and I think that that was a great way to start uh, my trip on a spiritual note. Wow. That sounds so intense. So intriguing. You know, my crewmate also machete, Matt, uh-huh. you're familiar. Yeah. Yeah. He also did that too. Okay. That's how I kind of got a bit familiar. So when you just mentioned it right now, I was like, okay, okay. Yeah. I mean, the Cambo is, is something that, um, I think it's it's necessary for me, especially in my uh, lifestyle, to be able to uh, you know take a step back because sometimes I overwhelm myself, and then sometimes I hit a low. Mm. And whether you're overwhelming yourself or you're just stagnant, it helps you get that mental clarity when you come back too. It's kind of like coming back from that that shroom high or coming back, you know, from a sure. drunk night. You wake up like, oh, why did I do that? You know, like it there, it, it makes you think of things that you need to change because it gives you that that mental clarity so uh it's a very beautiful experience to to be able to start and then continue to build off of that uh cambo experience the ultimate cleanse Mm -hmm. that's the, the, the detoxing of your body where do you even find like a person to do this like is you just have to know a person that knows a person or yeah, how does that kind of, work? of yeah that's, that's how everything is you know obviously in la it's much easier uh you know you have the instagram links if anybody wants it just shoot me a dm and i'll, I'll send it to you okay right on mm-hmm. damn that was glad we actually touched upon that that's very <laughs> very 
You know, I've been hearing it more about this through my outdoorsy friends, my hiker friends, or just people that are much more in tune with nature. It's very fascinating. Yeah, I mean, and it helps you also touch on your your creative side, and you're more, uh, you know, not not just you know in tune with nature, but just in tune with yourself, and that's the most important thing to me as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so we went from Peru to uh, Ecuador, and then back to Guatemala. Yeah, those were right. my those are my three spots. Yeah, that I mentioned. And you say the name three, again. Of but the... let me let me let me let me just cut you off there. It's hard. It was hard. You you gave me three, but it's just like I wish you you said ten because then I'll I'll start naming more. I wish you said twenty. I wish you said fifty. I, I had so many fun outdoor adventures that it was hard to Ooh. narrow it down to three. <laughs> Vic, give me a runner-up. Just throw throw another one out there. I'll I'll give you that. Oh, throw another throw another one in there. Yeah, I, when I was in in Bolivia, I had a great, great, amazing time um, in an ancient site called Teotihuacan, and I'm really into ancient, you know, um, ruins and 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 you know, outdoor adventures that involve being able to seek out history, you know, in historical sites. And that place, whoa, like just the road trip there, the sights you see, first you begin, you're like looking up at the mountains and you get to the um, location, the, the, the ancient site, which is uh, Tihuacan, which is also neighboring another site called Pumapunku. And then you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're seeing on the horizon the, just the snow cap of the mountains. So it's in- mm. insane that we climbed that high and now we're at this you know, uh, really high elevation. And that's where they decided to build these, these, uh, places. But yeah, that's, that's up there as well. I'm also going to mention this because we actually featured this particular adventure as its own Instagram live episode with you. That being you summiting Cotopaxi in a snowstorm blizzard. And it was life. It was literal life and death for you. See, I didn't want to mention Cotopaxi because we've touched on it already. And it, that, absolutely surpasses anything else that I did when it comes to um, outdoor adventure stuff, because I, 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 like you just mentioned, had to fight for my life in order to reach that summit <laughs> and make it back from that summit. So yeah, I mean, Cotopaxi, if, if you're looking for something, uh, you know, really exhilarating and perilous, like I mentioned at the beginning, Cotopaxi is where it's at. That's a, a, a great uh way to start if you're looking to uh you know begin you know climbing glaciers and and then doing all that kind of extreme sports yeah yeah that that's a great one and that's in ecuador correct that's in ecuador and it's accessible uh financially because you know as we know a lot of these outdoor sports are really expensive and uh you gotta you invest a lot of money and invest a lot of time into planning but cotopaxi has it set up where it's not that expensive where it has uh, uh, you know, tour guides that are very knowledgeable and they take care of you just like mine did and, and at a really reasonable price. Yeah, I remember you kept telling me, like, when you were telling me the prices of all these different adventures you were doing, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, that's another reason why, you know, outdoor enthusiasts should be going to these different countries in South America, right? It's just so much more affordable. Yeah, and, and, and they do flock to it. I would say, but it's definitely overseen, you know, as compared to other mm. uh, sites where, you know, people uh, go spend much more money for, I would say, a similar experience. So uh, it's, it's 
uh, Ecuador, not only Cotopaxi, but there's several within that mountain range that you can climb as well with accessible price range. Yeah. And Cotopaxi, what would you say is the claim to fame of that iconic mountain? Well, Cotopaxi, obviously everyone knows about the brand Cotopaxi, but <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the elevation of Cotopaxi, 19,347 feet. Oh my God. Like that's something that we, we, we don't have out here. We can't, you know, <laughs> it's in the Andes mountains, you know, you, you're, 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 you're going to an extreme, you know, uh, elevation where you don't quite yet need that oxygen tank, but you're still getting that same, same, uh, feeling, you know, or, or, or fight that you have to give when it comes to catching your breath and when it comes to dealing with the, the elements, the snowstorm and everything. But yeah, co- co- that's called a taxi for you. Yeah, that adventure of yours was a straight up movie, which is why I wanted to highlight that specifically. Like, I remember the flyer I made. It looked like a straight up movie poster, man. Yeah. <laughs> like a documentary film. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. And also just with a Cotopaxi, just a, before I close the loop on that, you know, if anyone wants to like really get into that story, we have that up as an IG Live video on uh, both of our accounts, Just Trek and uh, LA Trail Killers. So if you want to get into like the raw, pure emotions, because it got real, real fucking serious for Vic. Like there was a moment on there where he was like, you know what? I might not see anyone anymore. Absolutely. Check it out because it, it had just uh, taken place maybe a week before my I, I had just done my hike. So it was very raw, very new, very fresh in my mind when we did that live. Yeah, I was so proud of you. I was like, this guy, <laughs> this guy ate a storm. And then one of my friends Absolutely. that I was traveling with, like, this guy just really does no training. Like, he's a Dutch guy that I was traveling with. It's really fun, mm-hmm. you know, 22-year-old. And this guy goes and says, I'm going to try it myself. And goes, kills it, and comes back. And he says, man, you were right. I almost died. It's just like, like nothing. Like, so anyone can do it. You don't need much training is the moral of the story. But yeah, be 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 careful out there. Right on. So I want to go back to uh, Machu Picchu real quick because mm-hmm. I'm just so fascinated with that area. And like, you know, I, I know it's probably in that country and other countries, but like the adorable llamas everywhere. Like I couldn't like stop smiling when I kept seeing that all over your content. Like, like what is that animal exactly? Like, is it symbolic of something? Like, could you just kind of touch upon like, like that vibe of Peru and Machu Picchu and the llamas. Like I was just so super fascinated by that. Yeah. So, I mean, there's uh, the the wild animals out there, which are the alpacas. The alpacas are the ones that are, you know, and this might close your ears for some people, but they're consumed. They're actually, um, excuse me, the, the llamas are. The, the alpacas are the ones that are used for their, their wool to, to make clothing and that kind of stuff. But then you have the llamas that, you can actually okay. consume that you can actually eat and yes there's there's definitely sacrifice of these animals as well during uh some of their their rituals like for example when i was out there it was the incan new year uh and and, and people know that when the incan new year happens there's this huge celebration in cusco where the streets are shut down and there's parades and then they go to one of the ancient sites and they take a uh, uh, llama and they sacrifice it and it's just all there for everyone to see um, very 
very sacred animal and uh and also mm-hmm. it provides you know uh clothing and, and and food for and sustenance for some people as well so it's very very important uh for the people of Peru and then I saw you actually went to Machu Picchu twice I did you went back a second time like what was that all about like you went with more friends or yeah so the first time I did the Salcante trek which I mentioned I did it with a tour group and uh, we did the whole five-day uh, Salcante uh, hike to get there, majestic and everything. The second time around was when uh, Lucy and Ruby came by. If, if, if uh, you know anybody knows any of the listeners right know them, they came and and you know with my girl Lucy and and with our friend uh, Ruby, we decided we ain't hiking. <laughs> we're taking the train there. We're taking the fast way. It's much more expensive. <laughs> I will say that. Uh, but it's, it's the way to expedite it. And especially if you're on a, on a short, you know, uh, time there, a short visit, then that's the way to go. So we, I did it again. And this time I kind of knew my way around. So I was able to kind of guide them and and not have to get a guide and and, and just tell them everything that I remember and, and everything that I was able to, to, uh, learn from, from my first experience there. And I think we both experiences were you know, unique in, in themselves. Man, could you just kind of describe like how you felt when you first saw the views and sights when you got to the top of Machu Picchu, like the ancient ruins at such a high elevation? Like it just literally looks like heaven on earth up there, man. Yeah, I mean, you you can't take anything away from how beautiful the sights are because it's just majestic how you're on top of this huge mountain, just overlooking several other mountains and the only mm-hmm. the only eyesore I will say, and this is the reason I say you can't take away from the sights, but the eyesore would be the tourists. Extremely filled with tourists to the to the brim. Uh and I would say that gotcha. that's maybe on my on my second visit there. On the first one I did an early one, which was like a six AM because you get to choose which um time frame that you enter the park at or enter the site at. Um that one wasn't so packed with with people, but you still get that majestic uh, view on the uh, later ones. But I would say if you're going to go, go at an earlier one where it's not packed with tourists. And that way you can really see this, the way that the sun hits this beautiful mountain with buildings mm. that you, you, you can't even think of how they even built them there. Just to be there, it, you just feel like you're in, in a painting. Thanks for dropping that tip. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that uh, most people don't know that. And that's why the crowds in the later, you know, past 10 or 11 a.m. crowds are much bigger because people just go like, oh, I'll go whenever after breakfast and all that. No, the earlier you go, the better. Yeah, right on. Yeah, a lot of these places that are super touristy, you just got to hack them properly. And then you can actually, it can feel much more... um, tolerable the touristy crowds you can feel more um you know you can take it in much better with less distractions for sure yeah yeah i mean and, and, and uh, speaking i'll go ahead no i was just gonna say like this the the security there is like really strict another thing i wanted to mention just another little tip make sure you stick to your uh route because they're they're super strict they don't want people deviating from whatever ticket you paid for so yeah another tip for you okay duly noted and since we're uh, since we're speaking on tips and advice, I want to know, like, from all your knowledge you have learned throughout your traveling journey this time around, you know, in Guatemala and South America, 
you know, what are some tips and advice for solo world travelers and explorers in this area? Uh, just always trust your gut uh, when it comes to traveling, I think anywhere, but in, in South America, I remember being in a city in Ecuador uh, and just being told it's really dangerous. You, you shouldn't be here or, or don't go there even before I went there. And I, I had one of the best times while I was there, but it's, it's obviously because I knew where to go and where not to go. So trust your gut. And what I mean by that is, you know, you, we get a bad vibe from certain locations just by entering them. We know that there's some type of energy there and we can uh, read that as a human. You know, we have that spidey sense that's very real that tells us I shouldn't be here. So if, you, if you're looking to get yourself into a dangerous situation, you're going to find it. <laughs> if you're not, you know, then, you know, try to stick to the places where there's more people, where there's more lighting and, and they'll be out to late, that kind of stuff. So I, I know that usually when it comes to solo traveling or traveling in general, there's always this fear of the unknown. There's always this fear of, oh, I heard that this place, there's, you know, robberies, that there's kidnappings and this and that going on. Right. But I mean, it, it, it really comes down to who you are and how you conduct yourself when you have yourself you know, surrounded by positive energy, positive people, if you're traveling with friends, if, if you make a friend at a hostel, or if you have that positive energy within you, that aura, you know where you are is a good place. And you also know when it's not. So always trust your gut. Thank you for breaking it down like that. You know, like, as you mentioned, solo world travel is so fascinating and intriguing to millions of people, but they got to get over that first barrier and that first hump. And you've been, man, if there's one person in my immediate network that has been inspiring people to get off their couch and explore the goddamn world, it's you, Vic. Yeah, thank you, man. And and and, it, and I just feel like I've I've been inspired by others as well. So I'm doing my thing, but I see others doing their thing. So it's like I I want to keep uh going as well because others keep me going. And just to go back to the tips and advice, because I know you got a ton of experience. Like, do you find yourself doing any particular like you know certain like actions or being certain uh, aware of certain things like if you're roaming through the city by yourself or maybe in a more remote area are you doing anything in particular that you notice like behavioral wise or just something to kind of like make sure that uh, you're going to be all good yeah so if there's one thing i learned is to either have a fanny pack or to have pockets with zippers that's very important i have been pickpocketed before uh, my travels and uh, it's not a good feeling when, you know, your phone where your whole life is on there is taken and now yes. you have to kind of fend for yourself and you have to remember phone numbers and you have to figure out where you're going to stay. The phone is such a crucial tool. We definitely don't want to lose that. So make sure that you always put your, your phone into some type of bag that's attached to your person. You know, like I just mentioned a fanny pack. I'm a big fan of fanny pack back in the days. They were super nerdy with it, but now <laughs> I love them. So I can't, you and you, when I travel, you won't see me without one. Uh, and then uh, just always vigilant. I think that just comes with where I grew up. You know, I was born and raised in South Central and just, you know, going to uh, elementary and middle school out here. It's just always that kind of heads up you know, looking around type of mentality where you, you kind of you know, have your, your head on a swivel is, is the same. You know, it, it doesn't mean look at people like, oh, you know, uh, suspiciously, you know, this person is going to do something, but it's always just being vigilant. And, and that's a, a big thing that you can do for yourself. Don't trust too much in, in, in the environment or the people you're with. Always have 
you know, one, one foot in, one foot out. Man, it's wild to think that, you know, you growing up in South Central was actually, you know, subconsciously prepping you, you know, for your solo world travels yeah, or consciously because, yeah, you had you had to develop those spidey senses from a very early age, just walking around the neighborhood, going to school, maybe doing different activities such as basketball. You always had to be on high alert and you just learned over the years, you know, like I mean, a big one South is, Central is a real ass place. Yeah, I mean, a big one is taking the bus, you know, taking the bus in L.A. I, was, I took the bus for years and just the sketchy people you see on it. Not everyone's a threat. Mm. But some are, you know, so that's where you kind of start to get that that street knowledge. You know, you're trying to get that you, you start to get that, you know, understanding of not everything is a threat. Not everything has to be feared. You, you, you get on that bus and you could kind of immediately feel that energy. And it all comes with that. Maybe some people didn't grow up in that type of lifestyle. So maybe it might be harder for them uh, to, mm-hmm. to be able to identify what's a threat and what's not a threat. But. I think it's definitely helped me, though. Oh, a thousand percent. Being street smart is probably one of the biggest tools with solar world traveling. Yeah, that's huge. All right, Vic. So you did something incredibly unique that we mentioned at the top of the episode. And it was definitely something that was at a different pace in contrast to the rest of your adventures. And you actually worked on an organic farm in Peru. How was the experience of being out in the fields in another country? You know, and I know also it was quite the roller coaster to arrive at that specific farm. If you want to elaborate on that more. Yeah. So, I mean, I've always heard about uh, the wolf program. If, if anyone, uh, if any of your listeners have ever heard of it, it's uh, or have never heard of it. Excuse me. It's, uh, you know, an org that um, supports organic farming. And basically you can, you know, own a farm and invite people to uh, come and volunteer on your farm. And, you, you know, in exchange for their work, you give them a place to stay, some food to eat and, and workshops, you know, you, you teach them stuff about farming because that's, that's the way mm-hmm. of the world. I would say as it should be, uh, although people say that's, that's the new wave. It's not the new wave because it's been that way, <laughs> you know, organic farming is the fundamentals is the basics of life, you know, before there you go. The chemicals and all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. So um yeah going back to basics is is what it is so uh it's a great program and I, i've always wanted to be a part of it i've known uh i've met people along in my travels that have traveled the world through this program i'm talking about hundreds of uh you know 100 countries 80 countries just doing this uh program so i'm like i, I want to give it a shot um and my first <laughs> like you mentioned my first experience was not so good uh, i took i think it was like a 12 hour bus ride to meet this guy and uh i mean the my the first experience that i had in, in contact with him once i arrived was not so good i had to wait for him at a bus stop for maybe about 3 hours before he finally arrived he picked me up he he took me to a bar started drinking and i'm like okay i mean this is fun and all but you know i, I want to get to where we're gonna be farming where am i gonna be staying uh we ended up i i told him that we he ended up uh getting on his motorcycle i'm on the back we go to another bar and and he's kind of just controlling oh, the no. situation <laughs> to the point where I, I, i'm i'm really you know vulnerable i i have no power over what's happening and i'm just feeling i'm in danger because eventually he gets so drunk that he couldn't you know use the motorcycle anymore 
So we we go to, I think, his family's house. We get into a car and then he says, we're going to go pick up some of his workers. And that way I can see the farm. So I'm like, okay, at least we're getting to the farm. At least we're getting to where I'm going to stay. He's driving drunk down the road, whatever. We get there. We pick them up. And on the way to drop one of them off, he almost runs someone over. Oh, my God. And and, and and again, and that's where my spidey senses kicked in. Like, okay, I'm not in a good place right now. This guy's a danger to himself and to us and to others. Like, it's just not a, a great place to be right now. So I, I'm, I'm traveling over here with good intentions. I want to learn about farming. And, and all I've learned is, you know, don't drive drunk. But I knew that already. So <laughs> I'm like, I'm He's getting, ruining everything about what you want. Exactly. Like I'm getting nothing from this. So I just remember getting to uh, this party and I think all the electricity had gone out and we pull over and, and he's like, oh, the party, I guess it's done. And he just turns the car off and immediately, I'm talking about within seconds, lays his, his seat back and starts to go to sleep. And this, while he has a couple of his workers still in the back seat and myself just looking at each other like, what the hell is going on here? What in the world? And I had to get the hell out of that car and I... I uh, went along with the workers to uh, pick up my stuff where we had left it. And I, the same day that I arrived, I arrived in the morning, the same night, I'm on my way back to uh, the city. Because I'm like, I, I can't be here. And this, unfortunately, is bad, uh, a bad situation for everyone. So I wrote a review and uh, Wolf took it and they took the complaint. And I think they just removed this guy's license to work with them or whatever and uh, moved on from that. But my next experience was completely different completely opposite uh beautiful experience so uh yeah that's the story real quick Vic. <laughs> real quick so when that happened to you that first you know failure of an experience of wanting to work in organic farm because of this crazy guy right yeah like did you feel like you were just like you know what maybe i just don't want to do this anymore did you feel like that right afterwards i like, I, I don't really, want to like work in an organic farm anymore yeah i really didn't want to give up on on the experience in, in, in general, but just uh, it definitely made me, you know, rethink it a bit, just how I wanted to approach it, because I think I just kind of picked a random one without really looking into it and researching it a bit more. And I that that I think is what it helped me do for the for the next place that I ended up at. OK, and then yeah. you actually went yeah. <laughs> to an actual organic farm. Then I took and a couple that days. How was that experience? It was fun. I took a couple of days in the city and hung out with a friend that I actually have traveled with uh, in three different continents now. My friend Mike, shout out to, to my boy Michael. Um, and uh, we partied a bit. And then I remember while we were out one night, I you know, was doing my research. And then I ended up finding like this really nice couple and they had this nice, you know, uh, profile where it elaborated on everything that they do. And I was like, yeah, I think this is it. This is the one for me. And it's also uh, a lot closer than 12 hours. So uh, I chose them and they chose me back because that's how it is. They have to approve you back. And uh, I was on my way. So I went to uh, uh, find them at a park. They picked me up in this little, uh, like a old school VW buggy and, and it was a nice, okay, lovely, okay. yeah, a couple. And, uh, they took me, uh, to their farm and it was dark already. So I couldn't see anything. So I was just 
excited to wake up in the morning and see, you know, what it was. And when I woke up and, and then opened the blinds, I'm like, whoa, like this is a beautiful place. I was so excited, so happy to be there. The town called Quilmana in Peru, another place, middle of nowhere. Most people have never heard of it. Uh, but it's a it's a basically a um, farming town, and it, it, everyone who lives there farms for a living. So uh, dedicated to you know farming all kinds of stuff, and you know a great place to be if you want to learn. You were like, "This is it, yeah. This is the place. This is it." Um, you know, not not just because the way it, uh, it looked, but the way it felt. Uh, and then the work started. The work started bright and early. Uh, I think it maybe took two days before I finally started working. Um, it was a bright and early wake up call, even before the roosters, <laughs> it was like, Oh, damn. Five. And then that 6am, that's when you hear the roosters. So yeah, it was definitely before them. Um, and we're out and we, we, we just started all kinds of labor work. I mean, it, there's really a lot of work, hands-on work that goes into farming that kind of, you know, seems like, very mundane task but it's essential to make a, a a farm work you know in order for it to be sustainable in order for it to be able to provide what it has to provide and and, and give what it has to give so you know just piles of dirt putting them in a wheelbarrow taking them over to this other pile of dirt putting that pile of dirt into that other pile like that just seems so repetitive so mundane <laughs> but it's so essential because it's part of the process it's, it's crazy yeah and there, i i learned you know, so much in, 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 in the, the two week span that I was over there. So that sounds like that was a, a part of the morning routine. Can you walk us a bit more through the whole process? You know, what were you doing in the morning into the afternoon and also the evening? And maybe were you able to do anything after you were done, like with your work day? Yeah. So if I walk you through the, the work day, oh my God, I'm going to bore you to death. But it's definitely, like I said, make like, it sound exciting. Yeah, you know, yeah. add some spice on it. Because there's different <laughs> stuff every single day. I, I would say my favorite part of the day was break time because break time meant I'm about to take uh, a, a nice, juicy, ripe fruit right off of the tree and, and eat it. And that is when I tried uh, this uh, fruit called uh, Wanawana, which my goodness, my favorite, all-time favorite, best experience eating something so fresh because I, I just couldn't believe yeah, like how that. good it tastes. Yeah, it was insanely good. And what is it called? Wanavana? Yeah. My, my okay. just, you can, yeah, if you, if you Google it, it's going to say you can find it at Trader Joe's or whatever the hell, but nah, it's not going to be the same. Let me tell you. I, I don't even want to try it here. I, I've seen the pictures of what they sell at Trader Joe's and, uh, you know, Sprouts and all those places. It's not going to be the same as picking it right off of the tree. That that was my favorite part of the day. But let me walk you through a bit of the work and why that was so rewarding. Hours and hours of carrying around this 70-pound uh, 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 water hose to try to water piles of dirt, which is where, like, the compost is growing with uh I'm, I'm sorry where the compost is being piled up and and there there's also worms that are being introduced into this um compost so that it be, it can become the the prime fertilizer which was the product of this farm was excruciating it just it, it, it sounds annoying and boring but it's just excruciatingly hard work especially under the hot sun so it was just hours of that 
was hours of labor, hours of picking up heavy stuff, you know, watering, all kinds of stuff. And uh, and then you get the fruit, <laughs> the fruit of your labor. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> the fruit of your labor. Literally. Of course, you had to say that. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it was it was something that I've never experienced before. You know, as a city boy, I've never been on a farm. I just wanted to kind of throw myself into the fire and, you know, doing that type of um, labor work, especially being one of two volunteers for a huge farm was pretty, pretty intense because it was nonstop working. And you're taking orders from this, this older general uh, gentleman. He's like in his uh, early seventies because he's obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, not able to do it anymore. So you're just kind of like when it's break time in your head, but you don't want to give up for him because if, if you're not there, then who else is going to help him? Who else is going to uh, look after him besides yeah. obviously his, his wife, you know, but uh, it, it, you're, you're motivated by, by him. You're motivated by the work and, and it's, and it's fulfilling because it's not like you're working for this company. That's this huge corporation that just, you know, making you do stuff repetitively for you know kind of mm-hmm. no reason <laughs> it's actual work with the earth and and i think that it was really really fulfilling to to be able to um you know get my hands dirty and get sunburned and 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 do all this stuff for for hours and hours on end from sun up to sundown literally from 6 a.m all the way until 6 p.m uh, just to help oh, wow. this this man and, and also help myself. Yeah, I was going to ask you what was like the the time frame, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m.? Yeah. Good Lord. Yeah, that's, that's really intense, man, because doing laborious work under the beaming sun is just the most draining and excruciating thing ever. That's why you got to wear the big, huge like rice hats. Yeah, and, and I mean, the meals that they, they gave me, like let's say, for example, at lunchtime, were huge piles of food because you need that energy i'm talking about big piles of of beans or 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 lentils and and a a nice you know juicy chicken and and it's all from the farm so that's also another reason why it felt amazing to be there because you're able to eat literally farm from you know farm to table from the farm that you're helping on so it's all all of that it's it's just a whole cycle that makes it more you know rewarding to to be able to volunteer in in under those conditions because it's it just shows you know what we're capable of without having to depend on you know companies and stores mm-hmm. and everything you can do it for yourself obviously that scale that i did it on was also to produce because he sold a, a product there called hummus which is like a um really fine fertilizer that's used in that region and that was you know okay. what he wants to sell but you know, if it comes down to it, he also had plenty of food for himself and for guests. And he had people over and we would uh, on the weekends drink uh, uh, Pisco and, and, and drink beers and watch a soccer game. So that that nice. all happened as well. He had plenty enough to provide for himself and and for his friends. What's Pisco? So Pisco is uh, like, the, OK, so there's a debate. If it comes from Chile or it comes from Peru, but it's the official all right, all right. liquor alcohol from Peru, uh, and Chile, Chile, Chilean people will claim it as theirs. But 
just being on that <laughs> farm and knowing that, uh, you know, I worked with people who actually produce it, I would say that the Peruvians won me over they, in accepting that it belongs to them. But yeah, it's, uh, it's an alcohol similar, I would say, to, to me, it reminded me of vodka a bit. Uh, it has a more smooth uh, uh, flavor and, and, and taste to it. It goes down a lot smoother, uh, but it comes from uh, grapes. So it's it, it's also kind of fruity as well. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's similar to vodka. Oh, yeah. Never, I don't think I've ever had Pisco ever before. Well, you heard of Pisco Sour before or like you heard like a whiskey sour? So oh, yeah. Like... I used to be obsessed with whiskey sours for <laughs> sure. Yeah. So similar taste similar. to that, but. Uh, it, it, but way different. I don't. I don't know. That's the best way I could tell you. <laughs> right on. Right on. Mm-hmm. And back to the farm life. You know, just how self rewarding. You know, working with the earth. Work with the earth. I love that when you said that. How long did you work there? So I was there for two weeks. Um, there was times where I, I find myself saying things like. I can't wait to get off this farm. <laughs> I can't wait to, you know, be sipping a drink on a beach somewhere or be back home sitting on my couch just because the the work was that intense. Um, but it, it, it's two weeks that I, I, I will admit I counted every single day. Like I was counting down to get the hell out of there. <laughs> I'm cool. I got my fix. Yeah. Let me uh, peace out. Yeah, real quick. After, I think after like three days, I was already going like, oh, 10 more days. You know, like, <laughs> can't wait. Wait, so did you work every single day of the week or just like Monday through Friday? Monday, or what did that look like? Yeah, Monday through Friday. But I, and I was so excited for the weekend uh, because I was assuming there was not going to be much work. But whatever I didn't finish on Friday overflowed into Saturday, which I, I was kind of, I'm not going to fight this. So, okay, I'll work a bit on Saturday. So I found myself working on Saturdays as well. Right on. And you actually, you actually got to like experiment, uh, experience some of like the local, like, uh, villages or towns where you got to go out a little bit. Yeah. How was that? So I remember they just, uh, trusted me to go get their, their bread and they're just like, Oh, go get us the bread or whatever. So I, I had to, walk into the village and uh make my way around town and while getting to know it i, I uh, you know find the specific bread that they um asked me to go get and it just felt so surreal to be in a in a remote village where there's just not much going on like <laughs> i think the big ticket was this amusement park i guess you would call it kind of theme park where they have like small models of um uh touristic locations like for example the great wall of china they had a small machu picchu they had a a, a small oh, wow. yeah like the, a small grand canyon like type of thing like you're just visiting that and and then they had one mountain lion uh which in, in <laughs> captivity which was super sad by the way like this mountain lion was so depressed and i felt really bad he was in there and uh, i was just like man this is their place where everybody goes, you know, it's, yeah. it's actually a sad place because that mountain lion just so sad there. And yeah. So that was a big ticket. I didn't item. mean to laugh at the mountain <laughs> oh, lion <of> captivity. <laughs> no, no, I, I know, but yeah, it, it is kind of uh, uh comical just to think that that's, you know, what's the prime big ticket there in that small town. But uh, besides that, there was a, uh, a soccer game. And I remember going to the soccer game and it was one of the worst soccer games I've ever seen. 
uh, just kicks flying everywhere. And I, and I thought that it would be a better, you know, in Latin America, a much better quality game. Sure, of course. Be, you know, between villages and, 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 and no, it was very, very, uh, if it felt really, I don't know. I, they were amateur. Amateur, but they were pros, but it, it just felt more like they were fighting. <laughs> yeah. I don't know uh, if that's, that's just that's part sad of the to style. Hear that you, you, yeah, you would think like the football out there would be on some like underground, like high level class stuff. I, right? I was hoping, I was hoping, you know, just walking around the village, I was like, I can't wait to. Ex- There's a soccer game, let's go see it, and it was the worst. Uh, <laughs> and then I, That's so I funny. finally find the bread place, and the bread lady, she's like, "Oh, you're the the foreigner, huh?" I'm like, "I guess I'm the foreigner." Like, damn. So like, the maybe the the whole town knows about me and. She was just like, "Yeah, sure. we've been we've been watching." I'm like, "We've been watching? What are you?" <laughs> okay, so like, I was being watched somehow, according to the bread lady. Yeah, those rural areas, <laughs> rural villages, towns like everyone just knows. Like as soon as you, the first five minutes, it's already got around the whole village. Yo, there's a new person in town. Exactly, just observing you, being grand observers. And I gotta close all the windows and everything because i don't know who's watching me at night or anytime (laughs) that's wild man so cool man that you got to actually experience that after all the debacle with the first organic farm that you didn't really get to yeah and never got to the farm and on this one i got to the farm and some and your relationship with the uh the uh the two owners right mom and the dad like that was a that's a, that's something that you're always going to be connected with them, right? You, you still keep in touch. Yeah, we still yeah. keep in touch. Uh, they 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 actually started producing their own pisco now as well, uh, or or helping Ooh. to produce it. Yeah, so they they uh, send you a pa- send you a care package. Oh, trust me. Uh, I left with a care package from one of their friends that produces pisco, but now I, I'm telling them I need something from you guys. So hopefully they send something over. Sponsor a LA Trail Killers Summit Celebration. Yeah, some Pisco. I need some Pisco in my life. Some real Pisco. This is what I'm talking about, man. Like, you are worldwide connected. That's why I said that little thing in the beginning. Locally respected, but worldwide connected <laughs> in so many different places and so many remote areas as well. I think that's the dopest thing, man. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just funny because I never, ever pictured myself. I mean, I, I always watch travel show that I've always been inspired. You know, Anthony Bourdain, obviously a big one, and, and others, but... Uh, I never saw myself in, in places until I actually started focusing on making my my thoughts and my my ideas become reality. And I just think it just takes a little action here and there. And next thing you know, you find yourself in those places. So, you know, if that helps anyone else out there, you know, take my word for it. If I can do it, you can do it. Yeah, you watching, you know, all those travel stories and adventures through the screen and you're actually living the damn thing hell yeah that is such a there's no comparison to waking up and not knowing what the hell you're gonna do what you're gonna eat where you're gonna sleep the next day it's just such a primal feeling i guess it's kind of like that that word wanderlust you know or or, or you're just a nomad of the earth it's it's just such an amazing feeling and i encourage people to try it just buy a one-way ticket that's the first step is buy a one-way ticket now now you've committed yourself go figure it out and it doesn't have to be a place i always get this question and this is this is a question that uh, i don't know if you would have asked me or but i always get this question where do you recommend for the 
you know, solo traveler to start their first adventure, you know, South America or your motherland or, you know, your parents' motherland, you know, somewhere safe or anywhere. Spin the globe, put your finger on it, and that's where you should start. Go. Simple like that. Simple like that. I love I love the way you just like you view life, man, your perspectives on a lot of things. It's very uh it makes us want to like run through a brick wall at times and just go travel <laughs> and <laughs> explore everything. Yeah, I mean my friend got so surprised the other day when they were like, Oh yeah, I bet you're still trying to get your shit all in order and, and you know, you you just got back and and how is that going? I actually crave that instability. I actually crave not having my shit in order. <laughs> because once I have my shit in order, it's just back to the same routine, back to the same, you know, task and, and, and rotations. And it just becomes no fun, you know, and, and, and it just becomes a robotic lifestyle, too comfortable where you're not expanding your brain. You're just, you know, living to not die. I, I, I rather live, you know, I rather go experience and put myself into, you know, and obviously not. Like I said earlier, you know when to feel the vibes of dangerous places, but put myself into uh, unknown locations and unknown situations to be able to experience life in its truest, raw form. You literally live the phrase, seek discomfort. <laughs> yeah, maybe I do because I, 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 I find myself seeking that discomfort because it's fun. But that's when you're on your toes and you really feel like fully alive because you got to be like aware and like figuring shit out, you know? Yeah, I think the next step, people, the next adventure. Yeah, like they stray away from that discomfort and unknown situation because they, they're wondering what's going to happen. And, and, you know, you're sitting wondering what's going to happen when you haven't really even done anything. You know, you're, you're, you're just consuming yourself with worry. Go find out what ha- what's going to happen. That's, that's that's the best way to find out. Figure it out in the moment mm-hmm. when you're actually in it instead of trying to like close yourself off already, right? I think I was, so many times as we get older, we just become much more risk averse. You know, I know I do too. I'm just like, well, I start calculating things in my mind like, ah, maybe I should. And then I lose that sense of wanderlust like that we feel when we're like a kid. Yeah. You know, like I think it's so important to have that naivety at times too. Obviously, we got to go about things, you know, a certain way and take calculated risks. But, you know, it's that naivety when we're young that is so special that we lose when we get older. Yeah, I mean, it, I I think that it's confused a lot with uh, recklessness. You know, recklessness is one thing, but having uh, the ability to to take those curious calculated risks is, is another. Mm, and there we go. That's what helps us learn because once you're out of your comfort zone, you're learning and you're living and you're, feeling things that that otherwise you know you block off for yourself if you're just gonna um list off reasons why not to do something and and to me those are just excuses you're convincing yourself not to live because you'd rather be in the comfort of your home watching tv get off the damn couch get off the couch that's what Vic is trying to say mm-hmm so there were too many places that caught my eye during your travels but there were two in particular that really caught my attention personally, Vic. And that was you visiting, and I'm probably going to butcher this, Huacachina and the Bolivian Salt Flats. Nah, you hit it. I and know. Huacachina. Did I hit it? Yeah. 
Oh damn! Okay, I impressed <laughs> myself. I, I was about to like look up like how to pronounce <laughs> this word it. on like Waka Google Chino. Translate. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about Wakachina real bit because that was such a stunning, contrasting landscape. It was, you know, I'm not, I'm not even gonna try to explain it myself. Like, break it down for the listeners. What is Wakachina? Where is it at? What does it look like? So it's not that far from Lima, uh, Peru, which is uh, you know the, a hub uh, in in Peru. Um, and you go, you just take a bus ride, maybe I, if I remember correctly, three hours uh, away through the desert. And just on the journey there, you know, uh, if you're taking um, one of the buses, bus rides like the the main one that people take that has two floors on it uh you can mm-hmm. sit on the top one and get this amazing view like you said of this contrasting landscape where you go from you know mountains to desert and and, and just it changes it like you, you you feel like you're somewhere in the middle east or something you know you don't you don't really identify that with peru but in reality peru is mostly a desert so uh that's that really the 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 true essence of what Peru was before civilization is a desert. Mm-hmm. So uh, then you arrive in, in Huacachina and you start to see the dunes. You're, you end up in uh, either a small uh, taxi or, or, you know, the tuk-tuks, uh, or yes. you can uh, ride in one of these old race cars, which uh, they used, I guess back in the days, used to race with them uh, through the sand dunes. And that's the the taxis now. So you you have oh the doom buggies, right? Yeah, no, but they're not doom buggies. They're like a specific. Oh, they're not. Okay. Yeah, like there's doom buggies out there, but no, these are like specific race cars. They're not doom buggies. I I can't really describe. Again, one of those things you got to be there to understand what the hell I'm talking about because I can't even describe it. But yeah, sure. so you you hop in one of those, uh, and then you you you're driving through the dunes, and then next thing you know, it starts to open up, and there you see it. In the middle of freaking nowhere, in the middle of the dunes, there's this town of a hundred people. That's the population, and then obviously hundred people, hundred people, and it's uh, just it has just this one small lagoon in the middle, which is surrounded by uh, restaurants that tourists can visit, and then one street where uh, it goes around the whole lagoon, and that's where you find all the shops and the um hostels the hotels they have like really nice uh hotel or you can stay at the hostel like i did uh and then they have one club and a couple bars but that's about it uh i summed up the whole town there wakachina what kind of music do they play at that one club just out of curiosity oh, it's, it's good it's popping it's actually one of the best party places i've been in the world <laughs> wakachina yeah so that's quite a statement from you. Yeah, no, Huacachina was active. I stayed on purpose uh, in their party hostel because I, I figured, you know, I wanted something lively. At that time, I was kind of seeking, you know, something fun and, and uh, interacting with people. So I found it and I was traveling with some friends, the Dutch guy that I had mentioned uh, earlier and some other friends that I met in, in Lima. Uh, and then... Uh, the, the 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 nightlife actually just never ended. It was a party hostel, <laughs> like from twelve p.m. until the next day. It, it's just ongoing. There's a party and uh, at night, then it ends, and then you you walk through like this tunnel that opens up a door into the sand dune, and now you're at this club, 
uh, called Whoa. Arenas, and that goes on until like 6 a.m. I, I don't know when people get sleep uh in 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 that little area but besides <laughs> besides that hawkachina is a nice peaceful place but that little hostel with that hidden club is insane it goes on forever yeah you just basically said a sand dune speakeasy yeah a sand dune speakeasy but huge club so i i i i, I don't know it's just, yeah but they have the, all the good stuff they have the reggaeton playing they have the hip-hop playing uh you know they have karaoke they have beer pong going there's a pool it's just crazy to think that that's Damn. in a small little, you know, oasis in in the middle of the desert. And that's why I wanted to bring it up, man. Like when you see like when you're actually like a little bit away from the town and sitting on like the sand dunes and you're actually looking at the entire Huacachina um, town, it looks like it shouldn't be there. It's like literally this random like a desert oasis and then it, i think what stood out to me the most is the lagoon in the middle then obviously all the city lights and then you have the desert around it it's like how the hell did this end up here yeah how, how, how? i mean i think it was by accident i don't remember the exact story of it but i know that it was by accident that's just like runoff <laughs> that lagoon in the middle but it's so fun to be there especially if you're coming from lima because lima is known as a gloomy uh town because uh the 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 town is somehow always, I mean, a uh, city, I'm sorry, uh, is always covered by uh, clouds, but it never rains. Like, mm. it, it just never rains, 0% chance of rain. And that's why um, when you, you go from Lima to a place like Huacachina, which is uh, a desert oasis that's, you know, sunny, it's such a beautiful change because now you're you're having the summer vibes going where you just came from the kind of this melancholic sad city <laughs> i mean it's not a sad city but it feels like it because it sure. has that, that gloomy vibe to it right um yeah and then you're 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 in the middle of the desert where that that shouldn't be there uh but it's there <laughs> and then you get to, you can climb up the the dune and get this amazing bird's eye view of it that just stands out and when i took pictures of it i couldn't believe it just being there i couldn't believe it uh, and, and it's, it's one of those places that I had to go back to again, which I did. Yeah. That bird's eye view photo you were taking, like, man, desert magical oasis. Couldn't describe it any more Perfect. I am thousand percent going to go out there at some point in my life. Yeah. Go there take us, uh, the, the, the dune buggy ride. That was one of the most, uh, adrenaline filled adventures that I had, uh, just going around in the dune buggies. I did it twice as well. <laughs> uh, you can go sandboarding. Uh, you can see the sunset with friends, you know, oh, man. With some Pisco in hand. Yeah, it's just vibes. I could only imagine how stunning a sunset out there looks like. Because, you know, desert sunsets are just like otherworldly at times. Yeah, because, I mean, you're, you're pretty much surrounded by it. You know, you're immersed mm -hmm. in it. All you see around is just the dunes and then the, the this colors is just magical. I wish I could just transport there right now, man. Let's go. Oh yeah. <laughs> Trust me. I, I would is love the teleportation. Right <laughs> All right. Let's jump out of that. Cause I'm just going to keep asking you a million questions about that place. And the other place that I mentioned earlier that I want to uh, chat with you about is the Bolivian salt flats. And that my friend, when you first started capturing videos and photos of it i was like is that is that the place where fkj and if y'all don't know fkj is it's this uh, french 
music producer, most beautiful organic electronic music, like played this outdoor music set for this brand called Circle Music, which is like they do basically the most epic performances, whether it's DJs or live music out in like epic landscapes, I guess is the best way I could describe it. And I was like, this fool is out there. He's actually in this landscape. Like, how did you end up out there? Like, did you always know about it? Or is it like off the cuff? Like, talk to me. No, I mean, just like with all parts of uh, my travel, it's something that I discovered on my way through Bolivia. If anything, um, I didn't even know I was going to go to Bolivia, but I ended up there and it was <laughs> up there, like with all the adventures that I had there. So uh yeah i found out while i was there and uh when i first uh arrived i, I put it on my list yeah. of things to do and uh the salt flats was going to be the the end of my trip because it would have connected me to uh chile which is where i where i uh ended up at the end um of my trip so i had to find a way to get into chile uh by land so the salt flats is uh, in a place called uyuni which is in the southern part of uh, Bolivia, near the border of Chile. And uh, you're, you're basically staying in another remote location with very small small population. Uh, you know, I took a day to acclimate myself to the, to the environment and walk around town. And again, there's not much to see. You know, there's a school, there's the shops, there's the, the, the local food, but it's just basically mm -hmm. two streets and then a couple hotels and, that's it. Uh, it's Uyuni. <laughs> so um, from there, you can you know uh, venture off with like a with a guide, and you go on this extremely long day of traversing salt flats, which I'm talking about hours and hours of of you know on a on a four by four crossing these salt flats. That really, I I. I the best way I, I can kind of describe it to you is just look all around and all you see is white. That's it. That's the best way I can describe Whoa. it. It's just white. And then the way that the sun reflects off the salt, you know, salt flat from the salt. Um, I'm sorry, on the salt from the, from the salt flats is just so bright that you need to wear glasses because you, you can't look at it. it. It burns, it stings your eyes. So you have to. Oh, really? Yeah, you have to have glasses on. And you have to have the window up that will also have a tent. Otherwise, you can go blind from it, I would say, because <laughs> that's what it felt like. It's that bright. Man, there's no superlatives or words that really can describe that, how that area looks, the Bolivian salt flats. It's, if I was going to say a place looked like a dream or like a dreamscape, that area might just be it. Yeah, because even within itself, there's, there's different uh, varieties of the landscape, like you also end up at a volcano in the middle of the salt flats. That's wait, what? <laughs> yeah, there's there's a volcano uh, uh, in the middle of it, which is uh, crazy to think that it's just in the middle of the salt flats. Again, hours and hours of driving, and next thing you know, you arrive at a volcano uh, with beautiful cacti and and like um, uh, like, like small springs of water and. You can touch it and it feels hot and it's just geo, uh, geothermal pools. And you're like, how the heck is this here? And then you move on and then you, you, near sunset time, they want you to see like the reflective, uh, you know, kind of like with the water over the salt uh, portion of it, and, you know, for the pictures and all that. And that's another magical scene. So first you go, you know, from the super bright where you can't even look at it. 
Now you're in a volcano, mm-hmm. and then now you're in this reflective, beautiful mirror-like landscape. You're just walking around, and the 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 sky is also beneath you. Is what it looks like. Like the the, oh, the yeah. clouds are above and below because that's how you know big that mirror effect is. Damn! Thank you for painting that visual. I'm like oh, trying and, to process and, and, everything. And, and man. Sunset time was the best time to be there because the way that the the sunset looks, you get double a double sunset. <laughs> you get it from above and from below. It's just crazy. I can't. Oh my goodness! You have to be. It's, it's too much nature. Too, too much. much. Yeah, it's just ah, oh my god, my brain is gonna explode. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> yeah, it's um. What was I gonna say? You mentioned something to me before I remember. Like that area is so beautiful the way you've been describing it. But you also said like, yo, on some real talk, it can be really scary real quickly because it's a lot of like, you can get lost, like straight up lost in the middle of nowhere for miles and miles on end. Right. You said something along those lines. Yeah. Because I mean, if you're not with a guide or something, you can definitely drive off to nowhere, you know, to the abyss nowhere. because it, it, again, it, you're just surrounded by white. You don't really see mountains. You just see white on the horizon. It's just plain. It's flat and it's just mm. white. So where the hell are you driving to? It's like, if you're in the, in the Truman show, like, there's nothing it, flat earth confirmed, you know, <laughs> is what it feels like. <laughs> but, yeah, there's no little landmarks yeah, or things that like, be like, Oh, go this way. Go be, go that way. Exactly. But I feel like the, the guides, they, they know how to follow the tracks from the day before or something like that. But yeah, if you're not, if you're not with somebody who knows what they're doing, you, you can get lost over there. That's really scary, man. Honestly, mm-hmm. thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah, you know what's so fascinating about uh, the desert landscapes? Like what you're describing, there's so much of nothing and there's just so much of everything out of the blue sometimes, depending how deep you go. It's because we don't we don't realize how big Earth is. I mean, we like to use the phrase, you know, the world is so small, you know, the world is so small. And, and we and we like to, to do that just so we can get a grip of things. But the world is not small. Earth is not small. It's freaking huge. So it's... These places, you know, the deserts, the the jungles, you know, like in in Brazil and and in, in South America in itself, the Andes Mountains, they they go on forever. It's it's, it's just insane. Mm-hmm. Like if if you've ever taken a flight to Europe and you're you're over, you know, this crazy ice cap that goes on forever and ever and ever, it, the ocean, the everything is just so much bigger than what our brain can even comprehend. So. Being in a location like Huacachina, where you see nothing but desert, being in the salt flats, or again, like I just mentioned, flying over the ocean, we can't, our, our perspective is just so limited to understand how immense this planet really is and how much there is to see of it and explore of it. Brother, like, I love what you're saying right now. The vastness of nature is just so, like, captivating. And also just humbling at the same time. And like when you explore the vastness of nature, you know what I feel like? It's like, I feel like you just feel there's so much more in life. Like there's so much out there for yourself, you know? And like, you just have like infinite potential in this, in this lifetime. Not to get all deep and off the, <laughs> off the radar, but that's how I feel about the vastness of nature a lot of times. Nah, brother, that's on radar for me. That's, that's my life every day. I like to remind myself of how small I am and, 
And, you know, in comparison, relatively speaking, you know, I, I, mm-hmm. I want to make a big impact. But even then, you know, you can impact your community, you can impact your friends and family. But we're also such a small point on this planet. The world is out there. You know, you, you can you can only keep on exploring and expanding your 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 connections as long as you keep on, you know, having that mentality of of uh, seeing more. And it's always going to be there uh, for the taking. Basically, Earth is, is, is our big playland. Unfortunately, there's borders. Unfortunately, there's, you know, government restrictions and there's all this mm-hmm. bullshit that to me shouldn't exist. You know, you, you you think like, why are we blocked off from visiting this beautiful, you know, uh, location by uh, a security guard, you know, like uh, like permits to go t- into nature and all of that. I, I just hate yeah, it. Yeah, right. It's just why there's so much guarding of beauty. <laughs> like how how is there people that take this ownership of land and just block off people from just being able to just roam free and walk around and bask in its beauty. And that unfortunately exists and we have to deal with, but I, I, I just, uh, it just disgusts me. Sounds like the outdoor gatekeeping yeah. of different public lands, right? 100%. That's a major debate. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I'm on one end. I know people disagree, but to me, I mean, you shouldn't put restrictions on, on earth. Speaking of Earth, I just want you to say it for the one time on this episode, man. I want you to say that phrase that you said on episode 37. That's probably one of the dopest phrases and mottos I ever heard on the entire show. And I think you know what I'm talking about, right? Is uh, the hiking. Uh, yes, yes. Finish yeah. it off, brother. Hiking allows you to visit Earth's most, most intimate places. And I, I stick by it because those, those views, those landscapes are earned. You have to get there by moving your feet, you know, by, by transporting yourself there. It's not something you can just drive to and take a picture of. Those intimate locations are earned through the hike, through the walk, through the trek there. And that journey is special. But once you get to that summit or to that viewpoint, it's so rewarding. And, and it's something that only you can experience if, if you make your effort to get there. So it's, uh, I still stick by that. Yeah, man. Like on your solo travels this time around, like it was so evident that you, you know, being a hiker really brought you to those intimate places, like 1000%. Yeah. And, it, and it's also you live that, you know, even though we're speaking about the outdoors, but also works for travel because, you know, we watch these travel shows and we watch pictures, you know, uh, reels and pictures and it, it just never really does the place justice visiting the actual city and trying the food and all of that, you know, you can make it look on nice and shit for TikTok, but it's not going to be authentic until you're actually there. So, you know, don't think, you know, I just saw what this place looks like. I'm not going to go there just because you saw it on your screen. No, go there, experience it for yourself and then have, you know, form an opinion. And, and I and I feel like I've been able to do that. And I've been able to uh, prove to myself that, you know, it's, it's, it's always best to experience it for yourself because places where I, I thought were not going to be as good were exceptional. 
<laughs> you know, and, and, and exceeded my expectations. So it's, uh, I've learned from that, uh, from my travels to, to always try to go experience shit for yourself before, um, you know, taking other people's opinions and judgment. What would you say was one place that like super exceeded your expectations? Bolivia. You to get out there. Yeah, Bolivia, because uh, I remember, and, and unfortunately, you know, it, it happens a lot where you meet kind of these the smug, arrogant um, tourists and they talk a certain way about places. And I remember I was at a hostel and I believe it was in Peru and there was an American, unfortunately, <laughs> that was uh, saying, you know, I didn't like Bolivia. The transportation system is, is sucks. And um, uh, it's just so, you know, third worldy and, you know, opinions like that, that uh, first of all, I didn't like, but uh, it, it made me want to go see it more. And going to Bolivia, I think, um, was probably the best decision I made because I, I had the best food there, had the most fun in the public transportation system. I had this ride uh, from this town called um, uh, Cochabamba, uh, and I was trying to make my way to, to a different city where I had to traverse the jungle while they were you know, like playing from number one to the newest one, all the Rambo movies. So, oh, that's crazy! <laughs> what? So, from from the very first one, like nineteen eighties, whatever, to the newest one, where he's all steroid, old, you know, old guy. <laughs> they played every single Rambo movie as we were making our way through the jungle, and that was so much fun because it's like I'm living in the movie, you know. So, I, I, I you're on the movie set. Yeah, I'm on the I'm on set right here. I'm just looking outside and I look at the movie and it's the same aesthetic. Like it was perfect. Yo, that's wild, man. Yeah. So just never, never uh, go by other people's judgment and opinions because then you again you're limiting yourself. You're closing up. Was that also the same? Was that also the same bus ride where you had to play arbitrator mediator between like uh, a bunch of like drama that happened, like with the, the bus breaking down? <laughs> no, that's a different uh, situation that happened. Uh, it was in the same country, but um, it was in a different uh, bus ride that was from the lake trying to get myself to the same city that I was on my way to. It was just a whole drama, if I remember correctly, between the city bus company and the local village bus company and the i guess the city one offered the same ride for uh with much nicer um buses to the tourists while the uh, you know uh, the 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 dilemma was basically they're offering it at the same time but with nicer amenities so the the touristy one was getting more of the customers and that was some type of deal that they had come to and Basically, I had to step in and uh, because I knew English and Spanish, talk to them and say, let's come to a conclusion because we're we've been here for like an hour and a half. And the, oh the, the tourists were getting involved. There was a fight between the, the, the tourists and then the local farmers and then the the small city bus ride uh, bus uh, owners and then the, the big city one. And it's just four <laughs> different factions all going at it. And. I, I just had to step in be, before it turned violent and it actually almost did. Like it almost escalated. Yeah. There was, there was shoving, there was pushing going on uh, that I wasn't able to capture on, on, on video, obviously, because I, I wanted to take action. And once some of that started, I stepped in and I helped 
them uh, come to an agreement where the tur- the tourists had to get onto the the small city uh, small town bus, but pay a little bit more, and we'll be on our way. And that's it. Solved solved it just because I I was able to uh, mediate between the the tourists and the the small town people. Look at you, problem solver in another country for the most random like situation, man. And I got myself a couple free beers because of that, because I, I helped this uh, couple not miss their, their plane ride. So that was awesome. The key learning from this story is have Vic with you to arbitrate <laughs> <laughs> any conflicts, any unforeseen potential conflicts during your travels. Yeah. I mean, if there's one thing that I know uh, I'm always capable of is trying to resolve and mediate because, um, uh, Oftentimes, people's temper get, you know, they, they overwhelm themselves with this anger that they can't really work it out. And I, I feel like I've worked myself into a person who can resolve under pressure and and, and, mm-hmm. and kind of uh, not resort to that violent, ang- angry mentality and temper and kind of just say, well, what's the solution or how are we going to fix this instead of throwing sticks and stones at each other what's you know what's the actual solution to this so i'm I'm glad i was i was there before things got crazier vic the diplomat (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) there you go all right man so we've talked about so many of your solo travels and adventures and just like reflecting back on everything that you experienced from guatemala all the way to peru bolivia ecuador you know what were some of the major takeaways, lessons, or key learnings you took from your travels this time around? Uh, that there's just so much more to see. I mean, it, it it's kind of a bit humbling and, and depressing to to think that we're never going to be able to to see everything on Earth, and I, I have to remind myself that that's always my motivation, and and not get myself too into the machine. Because then I forget about that mission of seeing more and experiencing more. But I think the takeaway is is just to always have one foot in, one foot out. And and with that type of mentality, I think uh, I'll be able to to strike an opportunity where I can I can have that lifestyle for the rest of my life. So uh, I, I want to be able to to incorporate that into my life, you know, Mm-hmm. on a daily basis, not just, Oh, work for a couple of years and then quit and then go. I just want that to become my life at some point. So my takeaway is that I, I got to find a way. You will find that way. You're going to manifest it. I mean, you speaking about it is going to help a lot. I hope so. I hope so. Manifesting is, 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 is real. And, uh, you know, just having the thought, like I've said before, I've had certain ideas and thoughts that I've made into reality and, and I hope that that uh, also happens for me in, in, in this uh, this case as well. It was really uh, it hit when you said it's depressing to know there's too much in the world <laughs> to see everything. Like, damn, that's yeah. some real talk, man. Like, and you having that realization is like, dude, there's there's too much out there. Like, I would no this way. whole lifetime wouldn't even cover all the places. Like in this corner of the world, even, you know, even if you live to a hundred, probably. Right. No, you got to live to one million because <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's just, there's no way, you know, you, especially with the way that our bodies start breaking down at a certain point, you're like, shit, like once we start turning 40, 50 and all that, 
we can't walk no more like oh my god it's just like we're we're programmed to not see it all and sucks but uh as much as we can let's get out there that's the takeaway y'all live to one million you'll <laughs> see the rest of the world man if there's a secret serum sometime in our in our future technology advances and all that i'm i'm ready for it test it on me you'll be the guinea pig uh, hell yeah all right, excited to ask you this next question as you've just visited so many damn different destinations, Vic. If there was one place from your solo world travels that you could teleport back to right now, where would that be for you? You know, it's funny. I kind of thought about that. And I don't want to make it this nice, beautiful experience. I would say maybe going back to life on the farm and the hard... But rewarding work that was put into it because i remember when i was there i wanted to get the hell out of there <laughs> but now that i'm out here oh man like just the, the the beautiful experience of of being able to reap what you sow literally that expression comes from that from farming <laughs> you know reaping what you sow in the literal form is is the most rewarding thing you can do in the form of food and 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 uh Wow, I, I I would love to go back to that. Yeah, what a full circle answer. That was the reason you wanted to go out there to South America mm-hmm. and do your solo travels. And that's the same thing you want to teleport back to, the organic farm, the thing that you wanted to go, to go out there in the first place. Okay, yep. I see you. There it is. And, and and to be honest, you know, I had to cut my, my uh, travel short a bit and I didn't get to do much of what I wanted to do, but I also did other things that were unexpected on, on my, you know, list of things to do. So uh, the WOOF program is definitely in my future. Uh, I want to continue to expand on what I've learned. And in two weeks, you obviously can't learn much. <laughs> so spending some time, like the people that I've, I've been able to meet and come across, you know, that have done it for years and have all this knowledge of plants and herbs and, medicines i i want to become that guy so it, it obviously will involve detaching myself for a while uh from this type of life cycle um but i see it for myself so jumping out of south america and your solo world travels vic i noticed that you're a highlander ambassador now yeah and for the people not familiar you know what exactly is highlander and how was the experience of the first one that just happened in the u.s recently so Highlander is a company that um, reached out to me about a year ago uh, because they wanted to expand into the U.S. And they're a, a company out of Croatia that has been doing uh, events over in uh, Europe, in Africa, and, and like the Middle East for years. And, and uh, they are um, sponsored and backed by Spartan Race. The Spartan race is actually, you know, is obviously a huge thing. Everyone knows about Spartan race, but nobody knows about Highlander, especially in the U.S. Um, mm. So Highlander is pretty big already, you know, overseas. But coming over here, they wanted to find local uh, community and, and, and group leaders that would allow them to um, to bring out the people and, and and not just that, but provide a very authentic, you know, uh, uh, feel to the event and I'm privileged and, and lucky enough to have been chosen to become their, their campground manager. So yeah, that, that was awesome because it's right up my alley is what I already do. Kind of like, you know, LA trail killers. I put together and curate events and, and organize them. 
with them, I was able to do it, you know, as, as my job. And, and that made it even more exciting because I felt really in, in, in my habitat, you know, really in, in my field and in what I thrive in. So, um, mm-hmm. I was able to meet people that, uh, came from all across the country and also from, uh, different countries to experience the Highlander first Highlander event in Big Bear. Uh, this was their first U.S. event that just happened um, last month or earlier this month. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. at the end of last month and early this month because <laughs> uh, it was a five gotcha. day event. Yeah, yeah. Um, so basically, what it what it is is just a, a backpacking event uh, for for those who enjoy backpacking. Uh, this is a, a great way to you know, meet other like-minded people. Uh, by no means is this like super extremely rural uh, because they obviously, you know, have uh, their safety protocols and they want to uh, make sure people end up at a, at a nice, you know, location where they can uh, have some beers and all that. And, you know, most backpacking trips are in the middle of nowhere, but this one is, you know, with a bunch of other people and it was their first event. So there's a lot of learning and takeaways that they um got from this one but i think it was absolutely a success uh we are able to bring people from all uh all over the country and and from different communities to um to hike around the big bear lake area and Mm -hmm. uh very very fulfilling a lot of people you know that didn't think that they were going to make it through their their 65 mile um uh, trek around Big Bear, we're able to complete it. There's different levels. I mean, you can do the 65 miler, you can do the 30 miler, you can do the 15. So you get to choose. Uh, there's different tiers and obviously price ranges, but um, you know, the, to get the full, full uh, experience, you you want to do the longer one. And uh, I was able to be out there just camping out and helping out in every way possible. And there you have more to come next year. Any particular highlights from the whole experience for you personally? Yeah, I mean, I think just meeting people that I haven't met in person, like that had already followed LA Trail Killers or followed my journey and, uh, you know, my personal page as well, Vic of Earth, mm-hmm. um, meeting them in person and also in, 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 a, in a setting, you know, in the outdoor setting was perfect and able to uh, just spend time with them and speaking to them instead of just DM like, oh, you're cool pick or you know uh, that looks fun <laughs> yes. you know you know the little comments and dms you get on online and we're in real life in 3d that's where i thrive because i i think i'm more expressive and just more myself obviously than you can be in just a small dm you know a message or as much as you can be in social media in general so that was fun mm-hmm. uh and then yeah and in the highlander event it's actually going to be announced next week uh uh the uh end of october that the registrations are going to open up for their big bear event uh in may of 2023 so people can already start signing up yeah that's already going to happen i i just got the email and word on that and they're going to announce two new locations within the u.s so if anybody's interested in that uh, I look forward to seeing everyone out there and it's just going to continue to grow i think a lot of people slept on it this year uh, they didn't know, like I said, what the heck it was, but I think words getting out there and again, the positive feedback that we've gotten, this thing is going to keep growing. So I'm glad to be a part of it and, and proud to be an ambassador. Yeah, man, you're the perfect ambassador for them, especially that specific role in the campgrounds. They couldn't have had a more perfect person. Highlander.adventure is coming to the U.S. 
and they're coming to stay. So just look out for that. Boom. Stay tuned, everybody. Yeah. We'll join uh, Victor on a few of those treks. Yeah, come out. If you don't come in an LHL Killers hike, come out uh, for the Highlander event, and I'll be your campground manager. So, Vic, <laughs> I'm just curious, man. Like, you had just such a wild year. Like, what's next on the horizon for you? Do you even know? Hopefully more of this, but uh, <laughs> uh, hopefully more uncertainty. <laughs> more uncertainty yeah i mean right now i just uh got myself a uh you know pay the bills type of office job for the next couple of months that i'll be doing uh but in the meantime obviously my dreams don't die and like i said before one foot in one foot out mentality is what's keeping me going so uh i'm, I'm gonna continue to to work on uh different um aspects of myself to to grow into you know the overall person that i want to be uh, and continue to uh, make my dreams come true. So uh, the reason why you don't have a clear answer is because there is no clear answer. I have no fucking idea, and I love that. But just thinking ahead a bit to like maybe your next solo, you know, world travels. Is there like a certain region or area that you feel like you're leaning towards a bit? If you can provide a little insight, maybe is there anywhere in particular? Yeah, there's some locations. I mean, I've I've had Africa. I wanted to do that. Uh, when COVID happened, I was already planning my Africa trip. So I was going going wow. to Africa and I was going to go to over 10 countries over there. Um, but so that's still in, in, on my radar when I get a chance. I also mm -hmm. am thinking of spending some time in India. Uh, I mean, India is so huge. You need, you know, some months or a month more than that out there. And um, I, I feel like that's also uh, on my on my brain. Uh, and, uh, yeah, but just, again, I, I, I'm open to anywhere. So <laughs> India and Africa are, are, uh, places that I, I have on my head, but, uh, there, there, it can be anywhere. I can, I can and do I what I said earlier, spin the globe and point at a place. And next, you know, that's where I'm going to end up. I was going to say, man, like, I cannot wait further down the road next year, two years from now to hear about what happened out in Africa, out in India, if that's where you do go, it's going to be a whole nother vibe, a whole nother episode. Don't worry. You'll see me out there. I'll make it happen. <laughs> All right. Guess what? You're not going to guess? What? <laughs> it's time for the rapid fire question section again. I had it on my head. I was going to say it. I should have guessed. <laughs> it's all good. But this time I'm going to consolidate it because I originally have like round one. It's like a outdoor focus. And then round two is like personal. We're just going to consolidate it for this one. All right. All right. So rapid fire question section commencing. You ready? I'm excited and nervous, but I'm ready. You ready? Rock steady. Ready, ready. All right. Now you're ready. New favorite meal from your solo travels. Wow. Uh, let's go with empanadas. Empanadas on the record. Most intriguing wildlife you encountered. Oh, this really cool red bird that I saw. I can't remember the name, but on the hike to Machu Picchu, this red, really bright bird that stood out and just made everyone turn their heads. If anyone tuning in knows what he may be referring to, definitely DM us and educate us. Mm -hmm. When are you happiest? <sighs> when I wake up not knowing what I'm going to do 
what am I eat? And it just happens when I'm out there traveling the world. Love it. Which country have you enjoyed the most? Ah, uh, that's a tough one, and and I probably won't be able to answer it. But uh, I'm just all of them, all of them. I'm I can't I can't answer that one. All right, let's see if you can answer this one. Which country are you least in a hurry to get back to? Here. <laughs> yeah, whenever I'm gone, I don't want to come back. But once I'm here, I know it's home. I need to build myself back up. Uh, but I'm in no rush to get back. Greatest fear on the trail? Ooh, always, always going to have to be, you know, uh, a predator just lurking behind me. Any particular predator? Mountain lions always. Uh, I feel like mountain lions are, are stealthy. You know, they can sneak up and that's the part that scares me. Yeah, that's what I learned from my episode 53 guests. You're not going to be hearing the mountain lion. They're going <laughs> to ambush you if they decide that they want to eat a human, which is typically not the case. They love deer, at least in the SoCal region uh, he speaks towards. Yeah. What is your favorite word in another language? Uh, I mean, there, you can go for the chimba. Chimba is so cool. Like whenever I hear chimba and I'm in Colombia, I know it, it means cool. <laughs> so chimba? if you, okay. hear chi, you hear chimba like all day. So uh, yeah, I love, I love that word. All right. I'm going to take that chimba. What is your favorite type of weather? Uh, again, see, it's hard. It's hard because it's just for different weather is designed for different mood. But you can't go wrong with a nice sunny day. Sunny days is always a beautiful day. What kind of landscape would you like to live in? I, I would say it has to have a lake. It has to have mountains. It has to have the seasons. Uh, and and it, it has to be isolated. So one day I'll have my earth ship where it's self-sustained and away from everyone. And then you get to invite us. Yeah. Invite, I mean, we'll have a whole commune. That's what people know. People know. <laughs> people know. If you okay, know, okay. you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a master plan. There's okay. a plan. Don't worry. Even as uncertain and unstable as I might be, there's plans as well. <laughs> Your organized chaos. Exactly. One subject you would like to learn more about? Uh, I, I need to learn more about plant medicine. I mean, just getting into the, the whole aspect of how, you know, you can create your own medicines from, you know, your garden. It's just so intriguing to me. And, and again, it's back to basics, back to um, who we are as humans. So I want to learn more about that. Where is one place you wish you enjoyed more of on your South America tour? Chile I spent too short of a time there. And I think that Chile had much more to offer, especially if I would have gone south, you know, to the to the colder areas, to the glaciers, to Patagonia and all that, uh, you know, especially if I would have um, gone over to the Argentinian side. So Chile, I, I, I spent some time in the beautiful desert uh, in the northern part, Atacama, where there's, you know, kind of like the hippie hiker, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, uh, astronomer vibe. And that was one of the m- most beautiful places that I haven't mentioned on this podcast that I've been to go to Atacama. If you like hiking, if you're into astronomy and if you have that hippie soul, it's all wrapped up in that one spot. Hippy dippy. Mm-hmm. What never fails to make you laugh? Uh, 
myself. I laugh at myself because <laughs> sometimes I, I, I take myself too seriously and, and I don't uh, I don't take my own advice. So I'm just like, what the hell are you doing sometimes? So I crack myself up and I have to let out a loud laugh because it's it's just I forget the joy in life sometimes and uh, I, I got to remember that. So laughing at myself. Cannonball into the pool or dip a toe in first? You know what? I want to watch somebody cannonball first. Then I'll cannonball. Because <laughs> cannonball right. sounds fun. But let me see somebody do it. All right. See, that's what I'm talking about. The calculated risk assessment. Yeah, exactly. What is your go-to karaoke song? Dream on. Dream on. Aerosmith. Let's sing that one together because that one is a... Is a, is a I don't know. It's one of those songs that just tell tell a story of life getting older. Right on, brother. Which celebrity annoys you the most? All of them. I think celebrities are overrated. I think people worship too many. And I think we don't pay enough attention to our own family and friends as much as we do celebrities. (laughs) So give more attention to your family and friend, guys. Yeah, a most appropriate answer, especially there's one particular person that's just consuming all the damn media right now, Mr. Yeh. Yeah, I mean, again, yeah, that's one, but I say all. Word. What is the strangest slash scariest thing you ever saw while on the trails? This is a Halloween vibe. Yeah, I mean, while on the trails, in a day hike, I just remember um, walking through this tree. Or it just <laughs> you you walk through it and and you end up on the other side and it just feels like you've entered a different portal a different dimension because you, first it starts off kind of like rocky and mountainy and then you walk inside of the tree you make a little left and that's how big the tree was in Guatemala by the way and then now you're in Fern Gully you know it's just like misty vibes with these coiling vines and it's just insane so Whoa. yeah. This was in Guatemala? In Guatemala, yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, walking through a tree just sounds crazy, and yeah, I did it, so <laughs> that's a strange thing. What object do you misplace or lose the most? Uh, I mean, I used to, and this is funny, because a lot of people are like, Dick, you survived your trip without losing your phone, because I'm very notorious for that. I've I think I've oh, no. broken or, or, or had my phone stolen or misplaced it on almost all my trips. But this one, it survived the full five months that I was out and about. So I I held on to it. Good job. I'm proud of you. Yeah, I'm proud of myself. What quote resonates with you the most at the moment? <sighs> Man, the, the quote I said earlier about hiking because... Uh, you know, I, 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 again, yeah, we can, we can quote others, but again, you got to look inside. You, it, it, we can always idolize, but you know, when it comes to celebrities and others, philosophers, there's authors and all that, always look inside. And the, the quote that I, I gave, I think is going to continue to resonate, resonate, uh, because it's also applied to life and to travels. You, mm-hmm. you want to experience the most intimate, you know, locations, you got to just go there you gotta hike there you gotta walk there you however the hell you get there get there don't do it through a screen through television even through books i'm sorry but you know that it just doesn't tell the full story go there 
What makes you hopeful? Uh, I, I'm hopeful that uh, communities like ours continue to um, apply pressure to the masses to to be able to experience life in a in a completely different mindset than what we live in. So I'm hopeful that you know mankind in general, and not just within our communities, but uh, worldwide, you know, start to take notice that you know the destruction of our planet and mining for resources is is not the way. We're just going to continue to destroy even electric cars. You know, all that is still taking the mining away from Earth. No matter what, we need to go back to basics. We need to go back to the uh, ancient knowledge and wisdom, plant medicines and organic farming. We, we need to take a step back. So that's what I'm hopeful for. And I'm, and I'm hoping communities like ours and, and worldwide are, are able to, to make that change. And here's the final question of the rapid fire question section. How do you want loved ones to remember you? I, I, I want take them, a moment. Yeah, I, I want my loved ones to remember me as a person that that pushed for for something bigger than themselves. Um, because again, it, it's it's just too often that I find myself and and that I, I notice that others consume themselves with small picture stuff. Um, you know, just the, the drowning and in, in bills and drowning in work and piles of papers and all kinds of stuff that at the end of the day really don't matter. So I want to be remembered as someone that encouraged seeking life outside of the box. And that way, you know, not only does, you know, my legacy live on, but the world just changes for the better. Damn. Okay. When that wraps up the rapid fire question section, my brother, that's the first time I ever consolidated just the <laughs> the personal and the outdoors. Cause Sure. I can come up with a lot of uh, new questions for you and not uh, reiterate old ones. Good, good, good. Thanks, brother. All right, check it out, man. We're almost at the end of the episode, but as you know, I always turn the spotlight back to the guest one more time. Victor Martinez, Volcano Vic, you got any final thoughts you want to share with the listeners? Get your morning stretches in. Uh, meditate, but really do it intentionally. Don't just do it. Um, as a chore, do it, you know, as a way to get in tune and, and remember that, you know, when it comes to life, we're, we're always seeking comfort and we're always seeking routine because it's, you know, getting your shit together. Don't be afraid of getting out of that routine and having instability in your life because at the end of the day, we're humans and the primal, curiosity that still lives within us that fiery spirit can still be fed so don't let that die don't let that fire get extinguished so get the fuck off the couch quit the job if you have to take the you know the trip that you've been wanting to take always always encourage people to you know think outside of of uh you know the the social constructs of life you hear that, y'all? Don't let the fire die inside. Keep it burning. And that concludes another episode with Victor Martinez, founder of LA Trail Killers, Just Trek Podcast, Elevation is a Recreation, and we are out. Hell yeah. Peace. Peace. 
Man, oh man, another hiking banger with Volcano Vic. And if you're wondering why I call him that nickname, it's because he always has some kind of wild story involving a volcano of sorts. If this episode doesn't inspire you to get off your couch, explore the world, and go after the things in life you've been yearning for yourself, I don't know what will. There's so much in this life for each one of you, and I strongly feel that experiencing the vastness of nature and just the grandeur of the outdoors helps immensely with understanding this. Vic expresses, time is an illusion. The only time you got is now. Rewire your brain to live more in the present moment, and I promise you will live a more fulfilled life with beautiful relationships and memorable adventures to reinvigorate your soul. If you enjoyed this episode and found value in it, support and subscribe to us on Patreon. The support really does help a lot to keep the show running for you and the community. And with that all being said, let's get into our official outro. Thank you, gracias and salamat for tuning in to the entire episode. If you like the show, make sure to subscribe and leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes. Follow us on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are streaming on all the major platforms. If you want to send me a message, email justtrekofficial at gmail.com or slide in my DMs on Instagram at just.trek or on my personal at justrock, J-U-S-T-R-O-C. If you would like to support my creative endeavors, check out the merch store on justtrek.net slash shop. For more outdoor inspiration, make sure to check out our website. We have blogs, vlogs, and trip reports. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Have a wonderful day. And please remember to just keep on trekking.